Royal Birds. And welcome back to Zero Credits, the show where we talk about things. My name's Henry. And my name's John. And together we're Henry and John coming at you over VoIP. Or what is that called? Voice only internet protocol? I believe it's a voice over internet. P. (laughs) That's right. John and I are connected remotely at the hip. Via Zencaster, a little podcasting tool that helps people podcast remotely in order to honor that social distancing that the nation's so crazy about. That's right. We are standing six feet apart podcasting to each other on Zencaster. <laughs> that would be hilarious if that were true. Mm. But mm. indeed it isn't. We are in our own personal homes because... In addition to the stay safe, work safe from safe home order, uh, the (laughs) governor of Texas, Greg Abbott, is it Greg Abbott? It's something Abbott. That is correct. Uh, He's in a wheelchair. Is he? Mm Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. He's been paralyzed from the waist down since he was 26 years old. Wow. I had no idea. You see, when he was studying to become a lawyer, he decided to go on a jog one day. And on that jog, a tree fell on the path that he was jogging on and and crushed his spine. Man, that explains Texas's pretty stringent anti-tree pro-spine laws. Yeah, anyway, what did he decree? Uh, He's uh, just leaning on pretty heavily that they want to enforce stricter sanctions on people who are engaging in non-essential activities, particularly... Uh, any gatherings whatsoever. There's nothing that's actually signed statewide yet, but we're moving towards doing like a lockdown, which seems extreme, but I don't know. I'm okay with it, to be honest. Uh, I know my county, which is different from your county, because that's just how it works. Uh, If you are violating their stay-at-home, work-from-home, have-a-baby protocols, uh, you can get fined up to $1,000, Or spend six months in jail. Uh, Yes, that is the same in our county, as a matter of fact. Wow, what do you know? It's $1,200 or six months in jail, actually. Okay, so in in Williamson, it's a little cheaper from the money front. (laughs) Yeah, but also keep in mind that uh, the city of Austin had 1,200 gatherings since the order be reported for having excessive numbers of people. And not a lot being done about it. So, I don't know. That's... That's pretty insane, considering all of the events that I was planning to go to have been postponed or canceled. I think a lot of people just aren't taking it as seriously as they should, but that's neither here nor there. We're not here to talk about that. We're not here to talk about the negative news, because you are inundated with that every day. Every single day. Every goddamn day. Every 
freaking day. So instead, we're going to focus on the negative news of my Animal Crossing town. John, did you know it is the officially the last day that I can catch a stringfish until December? So from what I understand, the stringfish is causing people a great amount of consternation. For what it's worth, I think I'm in a fairly similar boat in that I was reading the the list of the fishes that go away after this month, and I caught a sturgeon. I also caught a sturgeon today, in fact, while I was digging up bait to try to catch a stringfish. Now, stringfish is, maybe, I don't know, I don't know what percentage of our audience actually plays Animal Crossing or knows what we're talking about, so maybe you should give them a little bit of information. Alright, here we go. Animal Crossing is a game that came out at the beginning of all this lockdown nonsense that we are taking seriously and is not nonsense whatsoever. And where you inhabit a human in the town of animals, and you can catch fish, you can, you can, you can grow trees of fruit... You can go into debt to a raccoon and tell everyone where to live because no one can make a decision except you. Yeah, I think that's pretty accurate. And also you can fish in it, which is germane to the current conversation. Yeah. and Also, it it, takes place entirely in real time. Yeah, it's real time based, meaning uh, every day is counted as a day and months are counted as months. This is a rudimentary explanation. The point being that tomorrow is April 1st, and that means that's a new month, and so a bunch of insects and a bunch of fish are going to go away because March has ended. Wait, hold on. Which insects go away? The Emperor Butterfly. Uh Uh-huh. I don't remember any of the other ones. I'm sorry. Okay, I think I've got that butterfly. I think I've got that butterfly on lock. Yeah. What makes me a little sad is uh, Animal Crossing, from just the uh, the cultural zeitgeist on Twitter that I have been plugged into since this all started, they've been talking about Animal Crossing being this nice, relaxing game where you can like kick your feet up, catch a few fish, trade an apron to a deer, and get like a tracksuit in return. It's just like this nice, relaxing time. And then all of a sudden yesterday, everyone started freaking out because now a fish is going to go away until December. Yeah, so nine months before you can catch this fish again, uh, unless you travel to someone whose island is in the southern hemisphere. That's an entire baby, John. It is an entire baby. It's a long time. And maybe this is this speaks to maybe a larger philosophical point about Animal Crossing. But I remember... So the first Animal Crossing, when it came out, I was uh, crushingly into. I played that game basically every day for like three years. Wow, wait, the one that came out on the GameCube? Yeah, I did basically everything in the original Animal Crossing. What was there even to do in the original Animal Crossing? You know, amazingly, pretty much exactly the same things there are to do in the new one. That's kind of interesting, because the new one seems like it's newer. Yeah, it, it's newer, and I mean, in the original Animal Crossing, you couldn't, like, travel to other towns as easily, I guess. Uh, really, it's it's largely the same, except they added crafting. But I did pretty much everything in that, but when that came out, I was but a, a child. And now, as a fully-fleshed man... <laughs> yes, as a man of... 
as a man of full flesh, uh, as an adult of 30, I start to wonder now about Animal Crossing because I'm having significantly less fun. And I think a lot of it has to do with like a fear of missing out. Like if I don't catch this fish, I'm not going to be able to catch this fish for nine months. Uh, whereas when I was a child, uh, those things didn't really enter my mind as like things to be worried about. Yeah, I think it's really interesting right now because I, I played, uh, I guess the one that was on the Wii, I think it was called City Folk. Mm-hmm. And there's a similar thing in that game where it's like as the months change, different bugs, different fish show up and disappear, etc. But now in the wake of this this coronavirus landscape, where like two months ago, I had, I had no idea that this is where we would be in separate rooms talking over a voice-only internet pee and like practicing social distancing and Texas almost heading toward a lockdown and whatnot. So like in nine months, what what what's the world going to be like when I can catch the string fish again? And I think maybe that has something to do with people's mania about this fish, uh, which, by the way, quick fish tip, I think you can only catch it at the top of a cliff, so you need a ladder to get it, I think. Right. Uh, the, the string fish, for those of you who don't know, and this is going to be completely useless to you at, when this comes out, but uh, it can only be caught on the clifftop rivers. So if you have an elevated platform or a plateau and there's a river on it, you're equipped to catch yourself string fish. Uh, But I think that's something that's pretty interesting that's happening. And this is true, not only uh, in as is germane to animal crossing, but it's true pretty much for everybody is the number of things that we have to care about now is actually pretty significantly truncated because we've taken most social obligations out of the sphere of things that we actually need to worry about. So I think Honestly, if if you looked at the things I could worry about or could be doing before everything happened, it numbered in maybe the low hundreds. But now I think the things I have to worry about is maybe eight. And one of those things is Animal Crossing. So I worry about it a lot more than I would otherwise. Yeah, I mean, remove me from the situation that we're currently in. Number one, I wouldn't own Animal Crossing. Uh, Yes, same probably. Yeah, I wouldn't have gone to bought this game if I didn't know I was going to be locked in my apartment for the uh, unknowable future. I I would have skipped it over for, I don't know, another game. Uh, Really, I only purchased it because I knew what was coming. I was like, oh, this will be a a welcome distraction. But even though I was deeply in love with the original Animal Crossing and I played the one on the DS uh, New Leaf, maybe... Yeah, I think that one was called New Leaf. Uh, But whatever the DS one was, I played that. Uh, But other than that, I have not purchased or cared about Animal Crossing since the release of whatever the second one was. So I would not have purchased this game were we not in this situation. Uh, So really, I think without what's going on right now, neither of us would be this invested in the lives of our animal villagers. It's funny because I openly sort of mocked the game because I've played through it before. I know what to expect from this type of game. I, I you know, I thought it. there's no way that I will find myself playing this game. But in this scare-fueled nightmare scape that is our waking lives, 
a little retreat to my, my little island filled with hippos and bears and one deer. Uh, <laughs> it, it, uh, it definitely brings me some sort of comfort. Yeah, it is uh, Animal Crossing. I believe there was uh, maybe an Onion article or a Hard Times article about that said that uh, Animal Crossing is a beautiful world where nothing can hurt you. Uh, it's which, true. Even, which is true, even except with... the stringfish. Well, th- yeah, okay. I, I was going to say, even if you get bitten by a tarantula or stung by a wasp, that's easily mitigated by some medicine or just passing out and recovering later. Yeah, or if you get chased by a wasp, you can use a party popper. What? It scares away the wasps. What? This is a tip. Holy shit! How do you catch it? Wait, what? The wasps? Yeah, how do you catch the wasps? I don't know. Chase them? They chase me. Uh, Counter chase. Uh, Okay. But I... Uh, one point that I did kind of want to make, I don't know how much we want to talk about Animal Crossing, maybe for the entire episode. It could happen. Uh, it, it's entirely possible. I enjoy Animal Crossing quite a bit in abstract, but I honestly find myself now, since the scope of things I can care about is so significantly truncated, I find myself too stressed out about Animal Crossing to play Animal Crossing. What stresses you out about Animal Crossing? Is it just the stringfish and the fear of missing out because we don't know what's going to happen in nine months? Well, part of it is the fear of missing out, which is really a sense that I've developed as an adult that I didn't have so much as a child because it's it's the fear of missing out of every time I start Animal Crossing, I know for a fact that there is something I could be doing that is more optimal than what I'm currently doing, which is... Uh, a massive burden and one that you're best to divest yourself of if you actually want to enjoy playing the game. I can't shake it. You can't play this game as a min-maxer, John. It's supposed to be enjoyed at your own pace. You're not supposed to get everything right away. I do remember when I was trying to catch a sturgeon, which, by the way, when I texted you that I needed to catch a sturgeon, I ran up to the mouth of a river and there was a sturgeon right there. Uh, but there were there was about four hours where I was continuously crafting fishing bait from manila clams to try to catch a sturgeon and it just kept not working. And I remember as I was sitting in front of my simple DIY workbench, making one fishing bait at a time, I shook I had my switch in handheld mode. I like shook it in front of me. I said, who designed this shit? And then I turned it <laughs> off. And then I had a realization that I maybe should change my mindset for how I approach Animal Crossing. Yeah. I, I, as I was throwing what must have been my hundredth piece of fish bait to try to get the string fish to show up, all I could think is, why the hell would you make it so that I can't get the thing that I desire? Or at least, why would you not make it so I can craft multiple of something at a time? <laughs> there was a period of time. So today, I knew there were two things that I wanted to catch. One was the sturgeon. The other was the stringfish. And Because uh, both are going away today, not for the same length of time, but for a long length of time. And I looked up a guide about the sturgeon and how you could easily sort of manipulate like one of those small islands you can go to just into spawning a sturgeon. 
So I went on three Mystery Island tours today, John. Oh, wow. That's 6,000 nook miles. And, and, and guess how many of those islands had a river? Uh, zero. Zero. Zero of those islands had a river. John, the game gave me a money rock island for the first time ever. Well, that's nice, I guess. That, that is nice, I guess. Then a bamboo island, which is useless because I already have bamboo on my island. And then for the third island, it was, and I'm not shitting you, another Money Rock Island. <laughs> nice. <laughs> the ga- I have been wanting to get rare items since I started playing, and today the game gave me three in a row, and all I wanted was a river to make the sturgeon show up. Yeah, I, the sturgeon was magical for me, because like I said, I had spent three hours looking for it, and then when I just offhandedly mentioned I was looking for it, it showed up. So maybe after this podcast, you'll get your string fish. Oh, well, we would have to end before 9pm, because that's when the string fish is gone forever. Oh, are you for real? I am not lying. The string fish only shows up from 4pm to 9pm. I hate this because now I am filled with anxiety. I'm sorry, but that's just the way it is. Uh, the, the Animal Crossing conversation may continue, but I actually would like to offer to our listeners, if they're the people who are playing Animal Crossing and they're feeling this, uh, this tremendous feeling of guilt, as I have, uh, regarding the situation at Animal Crossing and how they could always be playing in a more optimal way. Uh, and then, in addition to that, I'm totally forgoing my house, saving up my bells, paying off my loans. I'm essentially trying to poorly min-max Animal Crossing, and it's just stressful. Uh, but if anyone out there has developed the same poisonous adult tendencies that I have, uh, I think that there's actually a pretty decent panacea to that. Oh, is it playing Diablo? It is absolutely playing Diablo 3, or Diablo 2. Really, any... I think that we stumbled upon kind of a perfect combination of games to be playing concurrently. Uh, And then you can maybe throw in a third one that you just enjoy by yourself. If you take the the substance-first approach of Animal Crossing, which is you must reduce your mind to that of a child to enjoy Animal Crossing because you must enjoy stimulus for the sake of stimulus. Uh, If you then pair that with something that you can take your darker desires out on, uh, Diablo 3, or any of the Diablos, or any other, like, uh, God, what are those called? Just like a loot game. Oh, like a loot and shoot, or like an action RPG? Yeah, like an action RPG, and... Anything that's loot forward, I wouldn't go as far as to recommend an MMORPG because, I mean... No, 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 no. I'm not going to recommend anything bad to people unless, of course, it is playing uh, every class in Star Wars The Old Republic single player, which is a a damn good RPG in its own way. Uh, But I would say that Diablo 3 is like a, a perfect antidote... To any anxieties that Animal Crossing gives you, because instead of being stimulus for stimulus's sake, it's progress for progress's sake. Uh, which is so, I mean, if you, like me, enjoyed going from dealing 1,236 damage to 1,312 damage, and it, like, ticks a little check mark in your brain to release the chemical that makes you feel good, Diablo 3 has that for you in spades. 
the good thing about the like so Animal Crossing, if you really wanted to get into being efficient with your time, would take spreadsheets and like RNG luck, uh, you know, and it might not always go your way. Whereas in Diablo, if you want success, it's pretty much it's kind of like uh, just shut your brain off. Click on the bad guys; they die. Maybe hit a button or two when uh, when your cooldowns are up, and you know they'll die faster. But it's really just like just go point to point, killing everything in your path. There's no like spreadsheet math that needs to be done. If you get a legendary, you're like, oh, that's happy. I I did it. It's great. But if you don't get a legendary, it's like, oh, these things are dying. Oh, that's great. <laughs> Yeah, Diablo 3, particularly, uh, even more so than Diablo 2, really knows how to mete out success. It knows that its its formula is give you success at X rate so you keep playing. And even, even in its long-term prospect, it's the perfect antithesis to Animal Crossing because Animal Crossing, if you're playing it as someone who wants to like optimize your route or whatever... Uh, it has a finite end. You collect everything. You have all your perfect villagers or whatever. Uh, and then that would be inherently unsatisfying. Whereas Diablo, yes, you can take a character to level 70, but then you have a literally unlimited number of paragon levels you can get to. An unlimited number of bounties. How many difficulty settings does Diablo 3 have? How does 20 fit you? Yeah. Diablo 3 is, if you have excess energy, you can pour any amount of it into a Diablo game. There's no... Yeah, I mean... And it's fun. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really fun. It's, and it's really easy. And it's on every system. It's on literally everything. I was about to say, I like Diablo so much that I bought it and played it in full on PC... And then because you and our mutual friend expressed interest in playing it again on PlayStation, I went out on the, the last day before shutdown and, and bought a PS4 copy of Diablo 3 just so I could be able to play with you guys. And it's just it's been a blast. Like you just shut shut your brain off. You, 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 your, our mutual friend gets every legendary in the game seemingly within 15 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh we just make jokes about like the story or whatever and we just we just keep going like there's no hard thought we're just chilling maxing relaxing with our friends and killing killing i don't know the lord of terror or whatever i i have a similar i have similar feelings because i played diablo 3 on pc beat it uh, at least once and then I bought Diablo 3 on PS4 and an additional controller and a little charging station thing, uh, anticipating that my girlfriend would be into it and we'd get to play Diablo 3 again. Didn't really happen, but I beat it again on PS4 and now I'm playing it with you guys. And, and it, I don't feel like my enjoyment of that game has ever deviated from the level it started at, which is really amazing. Yeah, and it, it's... Oh, man. Diablo is a series that e- even... With the disappointing news that happened at whatever BlizzCon a couple of years ago, I think it's two years ago now, this past year they teased Diablo 4 and I was like, I'm on board. I don't care. I don't care what's going to happen. I'm on board for Diablo 4. And then they were like, oh, it's not coming out to 2022 or whatever. It's like, okay, I'll wait. But like Diablo is, they created a, a, a good uh, feedback loop of, 
you loot stuff, you kill more things, you get stuff to kill more things, to get stuff to kill more things. And there's nothing quite as satisfying as getting the stuff to killing the more things. It's really exceptional because at this point I could go back and play Diablo 2 and probably the level of enjoyment I would have playing Diablo 2 is pretty close to the level of enjoyment I had when I initially played Diablo 2. They're they're exceptionally finely tuned and if you're someone, like I said, who needs a break from Animal Crossing, Diablo 3 is on every platform. If you don't have a Switch or a PS4 or an Xbox or a PC... Guess what? You can emulate Diablo 2 on your phone or your laptop. It's it's everywhere. It you you should get it. It's extremely accessible. And uh it's very much fun and there's the the skill ceiling is not that high at all, especially when it it takes you, you know, beat by beat to teach you all your skills and stuff. Yeah, and you never have to worry about catching a string fish and then not being able to catch it for 9 months. Nope. The only, I mean, if you get into the season mode, I guess that could give you a little bit of anxiety, but that's completely optional. There's no need to play a seasoned hero. Even seasonal heroes are ludicrous because after the season ends, it just becomes a normal hero. Just becomes a normal hero. You could maybe freak out about missing rewards, but at this point, so many seasons have passed that they're just giving out old season rewards again. Yeah, 20 seasons have passed. (laughs) Oh my god. Yeah, I got a notification on my PS4 today. It just said, you know, celebrating season 20 of Diablo 3. I was like, that seems like too many seasons. Uh, It is definitely too many seasons. But it is a good game. It is the perfect companion to Animal Crossing. So, yeah. And, you know, it's funny because Animal Crossing released on the same day as uh, Doom Eternal. And I feel like those two games are also like a really good pairing. Not that I've played Doom Eternal, but... You've got the highly stressful, action-packed, gotta-get-that-fucking-string-fish game of Animal Crossing. And then you have this nice, chill, slay-all-these-demons-and-this-madcap adventure uh, of Doom Eternal. I feel like, in a way, uh, how I'm selling Diablo 3 is that Diablo 3 is a supplement to Animal Crossing. Uh, One in the current environment cannot exist without the other, which is to say, uh, listeners, uh, if you do buy Animal Crossing, buy Diablo. If you buy Diablo, buy Animal Crossing, because they'll both give you uh, concurrent benefits. But I feel like Doom Eternal is like the, it is the opposite puzzle piece to Animal Crossing because it's single player. Well, I guess there's multiplayer now, Uh, but it's largely a single player demon slaying a rock and rolling giant mechs kill a cock a demon time which animal crossing does not provide no not at all there's no cock a demons in, in animal crossing i'm sorry at least to say. from what we know I, maybe they're gonna partner up when doom eternal hits the switch uh later this year who knows what you'll be fishing out of the rivers come summer Oh my god. The rivers run red with the blood of the demons. Catch a caca demon. That is something that is uh, uniquely interesting about Animal Crossing is it's not like it had an exceptionally long tail where it was out in other regions before it hit the US. So there were guides that you could read a day or two after Animal Crossing came out that didn't even mention that there were additional tiers of DIY tools you could make. 
Yeah, this was a fascinating kind of thing in that some reviewers got the game a little bit early and so they could walk you through like your first week or so of the game. But for the most part, everybody got the game around the same time and like uh, experienced it beat by beat with each other. So it's like this weird community where people are like celebrating milestones. Uh, Like yesterday, people who had gotten the game on release day, they were like, hey, everybody who got the game on release day, congratulations on Abel's and Mabel's shop being open today for the first time. Uh, where I, I came in a day late, and so I had to wait one more day. But it, it's kind of neat to see uh, a, a, a time-gated game where people can celebrate milestones together, even though they're not playing together. And you pretty much never see that, which is a, a video game that absolutely sets its own terms for the pace, kind of regardless. Uh, I, oh no, I missed Sunday, so I can't play the stalk the Stalk Market. Oh, you didn't you didn't get your turnips, my friend. I didn't get my turnips, but I did get my rugs earlier in the week. Nice. Yeah, you got to get those Sahara's rugs. You got to get them. They're so good. Uh, I don't know. I, I guess it's something that I that I think about a lot with this game because you really don't have anything. You don't have any other video game that takes its time quite like Animal Crossing does. It's like a slow, real-play RPG, which is a genre that I forget which game developer, uh, I think it's the developer of Animal Crossing, but I'm not sure, has wanted to develop for a really long time. Like a game where you save the world, and then you live in that world, and you just live that in that world one day at a time. Oh, that would be interesting. And and so it's like, there's no... There's no rush. You can do whatever you want. Uh, like your Tom Nook will give you a task like, hey, we need more people to live on this island so we can do a thing or whatever. But it's not like he's like, you got a week. It's just, You take it at your own pace. Your loans don't even accrue interest. It's amazing. I would like to fight something about Animal Crossing New Horizons. Uh, I, I would like to register a major complaint. I am all ears. The complaint is, I don't know how much you remember from previous Animal Crossings, but they did not force you to make every decision. Yeah, I I am getting a little bit of decision fatigue with like where people's houses are going and stuff. Yeah, because in, in the original Animal Crossing, people would just move in wherever. And I get what they're trying to do. They're essentially saying like, Hey, this is like The Sims. You can set your island up in whatever way you want, especially since they're like increased like landscaping and pathing tools you can use. We don't want to like take the agency away from you, but it just makes me feel like a civic planner. Like I don't want to tell you where like Manny the gorilla's house is going to go and then I don't want to get furniture for him. I trust that he has autonomy and can do it himself. That is a little bit I, I mean, it was a bit of an arduous task to set up those three houses and then build the three sets of furniture, exterior and interior to get everything started. And and all of all of that, all of that work. And who's getting the money? Tom Nook. Yeah, it's really a perfect system. It this is it's a cap it's like oh even an even worse capitalistic nightmare 
because you get literally zero of of the the money for your you know the means and the the reward are so removed from each other. I feel like there's a, a pretty damning economic paper to be written about about the way that Tom Nook does business. Uh, but another kind of criticism I have, and I guess these are the the three criticisms I have are the civic planning, though you can't craft more than one thing at a time. And then my final criticism would be, and I don't know if this is true for you. Obviously it can't be because this is just a like a luck of the draw thing. You know, when you go to mystery islands and you invite people to live on your island, right? Right. Every single one, for the most part, other than two real stars who live on my island, they've all kind of had the same personality, which I feel like was not so much of a problem in the original Animal Crossing. Uh, they all have the same personality of a real Hazel the Squirrel. They're all very much focused on like stardom and, and bubbliness. And uh, I, don't, I don't know why all these personalities are the same. So we have one pop star personality, uh, and that's uh, Bubbles the Hippo. But for the most part, we've got a musclehead koala. We've just got a very genteel deer. And we've got Tammy, who is a bear who reads action comics, but doesn't have a personality beyond that. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I so, think that's a pretty decent mix. But the thing is, is like I keep seeing these screenshots on Twitter and stuff of really, really cool animals, and uh, and like we just got the campsite, which is like, oh, you can recruit people through the campsite. So I was excited when we finally got a guest at the campsite, and I go into the tent at the campsite, and what do I see? Another hippo. Great. And I guess this hippo talks a little fancy, and his name is Hippo, like hip and then E-A-U-X, and I guess that's kind of neat. But at the same time, it's like, we already got a koala and a bear, a hippo, like, and that you will be another hippo. Eh. I feel like it, it's kind of unfair, because when I go to these mystery islands, initially, I just said yes to everybody, because I'm like, build up my island. I'm sure these people have... Uh, unique personalities of their own. Uh, whereas now, when I actually go to these islands, I'm picking and choosing. Of course I'm going to invite to my island uh, an alligator that says Puschetti instead of spaghetti. But That's pretty awesome. But you mean, you mean to tell me you want to give me another squirrel that wants to be a pop star? No way. Yeah, I mean, it's some... So I, I know at some point you're able to pick people to, to leave your island and you can replace them. But that seems like a lot of work to get to that point. <laughs> I just thought of something. Since it seems like there is some amount of overlap between these personalities. So I've got Sly the Alligator right now. Uh, and he's very much focused on... a. Uh, working out and talking about muscles and i love that about him and i know that there are a lot of other personalities they're like meatheads and there are a lot of other personalities they're like pop stars or fancy could you cultivate an island that has one particular personality trait and that's all it is just an island full of muscle heads just muscle island or fancy mm. island yeah, I mean, I think it would be possible because from what I know at this juncture of the game, 
once your island is, quote, full of people, when you go to recruit a new person, uh, you get to choose who that person replaces. So you could, like, do a survival of the fittest, you know, literally. And uh, as soon as you find another muscle head, like, squeeze out another another nerd. I feel like that's so strange. Do we know yet if uh, if villagers will move out on their own? I have no idea. Because that was the most heartbreaking thing about the original Animal Crossing is sometimes villagers would just leave. And it largely had nothing to do with how you treated them or anything. Just they would eventually leave and cycle out and they would talk about how sad they are to be leaving. And I think there'd even be like a little going away party and then they'd be replaced with someone new. Uh, But now it feels like you're just like, hey, leave my fucking island, okay? Hazel, (laughs) I'm sick of you. Hazel, listen, look at me. I'm trying to cultivate a certain image on my island, and that image is alligators who wear hoodies and love muscles, and you have to get the fuck out of here. I'm sorry. It it feels soulless. It feels overly curated to me. Yeah, I guess they really just... And whereas I think past Animal Crossings wanted to emphasize how life is, you know, sometimes... Friends move away and you never see them again and you can't always control everything about what's going on in your life other than you can pick one of four houses. Uh, yes, this one in Gryffindor. <laughs> yeah, um, this one really, really wanted to emphasize customization, making it all your own and like echoing games like The Sims or Stardew Valley where you can really just create your own life the way you see fit. Yeah. I mean, I feel like if you're going to go as far as Stardew Valley, you might as well go full Stardew Valley with it and make it. So if you have some kids you don't like, you can turn them into birds. Yeah. I mean, exactly like that. Turn everyone into a bird, including Hazel. Yeah. Turn Hazel into a bird. Uh, marry Sly the alligator, but then divorce him and pay a wizard to wipe his memory. Man, hey, listen, I'm going to give you a, a branching path. Choose your own adventure. If you, at this point, listening to this podcast, have not purchased Animal Crossing, you have two choices. Purchase Animal Crossing or purchase Stardew Valley. Both games are very good for different reasons. Uh, absolutely. But I think we've talked enough about Animal Crossing. What, for 45 minutes? You're kidding me. Yeah, I feel like maybe we talked a little too much about Animal Crossing. Impossible. (laughs) What else could there be to talk about? As I've already established, I have eight things to care about right now. (laughs) So, one of your eight things is Animal Crossing. Do you mind if I ask what the other seven are? Uh, the other seven aren't as much fun. They're mostly either uh, work or life or virus related. Yeah, those are the big three right now. Uh, one of the ones that I'm caring a lot about right now uh, is uh, personal fitness. Because, I don't know, if you're reading everything that's coming out about like health outcomes for people who are exposed to certain things, your level of physical fitness has a big impact on how likely you are to survive so i'm kind of thinking about that every day but there's a big shortage on actual gym equipment you can buy because people have come to the same conclusion so i don't know 
Are people buying up gym equipment left and right, like people buying up toilet paper? Oh, there's a run on it, for sure. I know that uh, most of the more affordable places you can buy gym equipment are uh, not going to be restocked for like six weeks. Jeez. Yeah. Sounds like you need to buy a a copy of Ring Fit Adventure for the Nintendo Switch. Uh, I've heard Ring Fit Adventure is good and will make your quads burn. Yeah, I've heard good things about it, too. But, I just uh, decided to get a ring fit in my own way, and I purchased a set of gymnastics rings and a ring hanger for my garage. I mean, that sounds like a do-it-yourself do it, do it yourself, uh, ring fit adventure where you're it just... Is, it is literally yeah. a ring fit adventure, but it is not ring fit adventure, because I ain't that sexy lady. <laughs> so wait, are you telling me you can like, you know, do all these ring exercises, but you don't attack minions of a giant swole dragon? I unfortunately, the only minion of a giant swole dragon I attack is my own body. <laughs> that's pretty, that's pretty great. All right, so you tagged me in an Instagram thing this afternoon where you could win like your own home gym setup. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's pretty exciting. And I saw that and I, I very intensely missed going to the gym. <laughs> uh, yeah, going to. Here's the thing, Henry. Uh, th- I don't know. There are there are dark parts of this conversation, but I'll keep it fairly light. Uh, physical activity is massively important to my mental health. And the fact that there is. I mean, all gyms are shut down by order of the mayor in the city of Austin. Uh, so I cannot go to any of the places that help me most with my mental health. And this is true of a lot of people across the country. Uh, so now that we actually, when the rubber hits the road and we have to like actually be fit outside of a gym, it's a real struggle. So uh, hopefully by tagging you an Instagram post, I get that sweet ghost fit combo rack. I mean, that would be pretty cool. I, I mean, as a person who had finally just gotten back into the rhythm of going to the gym three times a week just to do cardio having my 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 virtual running machine taken away from me just it, it, and i could do real running but that hurts and i don't want to do it i mean that's fair i haven't uh, truly ran in years and don't plan to start now no i mean my body's already beaten up enough it doesn't need the shock of running on concrete I mean, there's a, I think that something that got shared a lot, I think it might be from the oatmeal is it's talking about uh, creativity uh, and how creativity is, is somewhat stifled now. And they, they talk about uh, creativity being the act of like breathing out and then recharging being the act of breathing in. I don't agree with every point that the comic made, but I think that the, the breathing out, breathing in analogy is pretty fundamentally important for the fact that we as human beings need to exert ourselves in both mentally and physically stimulating ways on a fairly regular basis to keep from going insane. Uh, It's the reason why if we have cats and dogs and we keep them cooped up inside, they'll like run back and forth across the length of the the living room a hundred times just to use up any spare energy they have. And I think that now more than ever, we as human beings should examine what we do to exercise uh, and i say that like exercise demons uh, we need to figure out like what we do to exercise that excess energy we have uh, 
Uh, and for me, it's it's a mixture of like both being creative and funny and also actually uh, exercising and working out and using my physical energy. And a lot of people are not coping with that very well. Well, this is the first time in their their you know younger adult lives where suddenly the avenues we might have to express ourselves or exercise those demons have been taken away from us and not by a way that we can like sneak around or get back. I mean, I've pretty seriously considered that once this whole thing is over, I might cash in two to three sick days and just spend those days in a gym and doing comedy because I'm so pent up for both of those things right now. And a lot of people are having to navigate a space where they can't actually expend their energies. And maybe during these few weeks of time, we're actually going to figure out a sustainable uh, external stimulus way, free way to do that for everybody. But I don't know if suddenly someone comes up with those, let me know. The, the funny thing is, is if you look at a bunch of uh, things that are happening just online right now, you can see this in a lot of celebrities because suddenly everyone who's ever been on a show together are starting like a podcast or uh, an internet, you know, video show talking about being on that show. Uh, just today, Zach Braff and Donald Faison announced that they're going to do a Scrubs podcast. Yes. And John Krasinski had Steve Carell on John Krasinski's new good news show on YouTube to talk about The Office. And uh, Joel McHale and Ken Jong got together on a podcast to talk about community. So it's just like all of these people who right now can't do creative work are getting together in the ways they can to create something talking about work they've done. Because obviously they are kind of struggling with the same thing of like they if your job is just to be creative and entertain people and suddenly you can't do that and people are cooped up and they need entertainment or they want entertainment to distract themselves from today there's an obvious need there and like they're just filling that need and also filling their own need to exercise those creative demons i mean i think it's going to be a it is currently and will be, uh, if projections are accurate, maybe another month to two months. Uh, it, it is a phenomenally interesting time for art because art is being produced at an, like an exponential rate uh, pretty much across the board. Because I, I know that we do have a fairly substantial portion of people. And if you caught me on an off day, I'd be one of these people as well who'd say, you know, if you leave me to my own devices, I can just stay inside all day, do nothing, play Diablo, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but it's it's true for everyone that they need an outlet. Every single person. I feel like this situation, unmanaged as it is, we can examine it years down the line as a, a period of time during which every person who needed an outlet, which is everyone... Uh, used every avenue available to them to produce. The art form of the podcast is going through a tremendous renaissance. You have documentaries which were slated for release months from now that have had their that have had their production schedules and their re- release date pushed up by months just because the people don't have anything else to work on for the most part 
working on a documentary doesn't require being present anywhere else. Uh, even if you look at the quality of your average YouTube video that's released by channels that produce one to three videos a week, the quality has gone through the roof because no one has anything else to direct their energies toward. Uh, if this is something that people study going forward, I think it's going to be a, a pretty interesting period. It'll be interesting the uh, perspective or the take that gets taken by historians down the line, whether this is a, a time of great blahness or a time of great creativity, but we're nowhere near being able to actually examine the things being created today because we're just too close to it. You know, I think that that's maybe the best way to handle it is I've been doing a one day at a time strategy. I think for anyone listening to this, the... It's not really a call to action, but I'd say if you feel a creative urge, if you feel your feet move in any direction and you've got a surplus of free time to pursue it, why not? We've never been in a, in a period where we are more literally locked down, but creatively uh, outside of, of tools and human beings we need to produce these things, we've kind of never been freer because you have so much time to work on this stuff. And that being said, I just want to stress that uh, just because we are in this state right now, by no means does that mean you have to be creative. If your mind can't focus on these sorts of things, that doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you. That just means there's a fucking global pandemic happening right now. And uh, that doesn't, you know, just because we have the time doesn't mean you have to use it on something creative. But if you can, you know, why not try? Yeah, it, it, it's something where in our daily lives, when we have hundreds of things that we could be concerned about or dedicating our energies to, we'll often will ourselves into a mold that we don't necessarily feel. But if you, in your isolation, feel your feet moving in a direction uh, that you can responsibly pursue and you have an abundance of time, there's almost no reason not to. If you're listening to this and you're thinking, well, I should record a podcast or a LibriVox recording of an audiobook, or I should go paint or write. Uh, if you feel yourself moving in that direction, if you feel so compelled, why not? Uh, but just like you were saying, on the flip side of that, if you do not feel compelled to act, there is essentially no reason to. And probably you're not feeling compelled to act because you mentally or physically need a break. And there's no shame in pursuing that either. I feel like we could all use a break from our break. You know, like a lot of us are working from home or unfortunately like suspended or furloughed or even a straight up fired from our jobs. And uh, I feel like we need a little vacation from this non-vacation yeah, it, it is, I for me at least, the situation has been constantly evolving in that I was initially told to stay away from my work for 14 days, not pursuing any of my duties. And the first four or five days of that did genuinely feel like a vacation, and then started to feel like something stranger, but then I started being looped into working from home. So now it just feels like a, a strange inverted version of my regular life. So if you at any point need to take any kind of break, you need to feel free. I know that we've talked a lot about like, Hey, everyone needs an outlet exercise creativity. I know that can be triggering for people who just don't want to do either of those things, 
Uh, but of course, keep in mind that not doing either of those things is a completely valid choice. Uh, choosing not to do something is absolutely a choice and can be made healthily and intelligently. And also there's that Tiger King thing. I guess that's a thing. I don't know. I want to make it abundantly clear <laughs> that I am never, ever going to watch Tiger King. I have no interest, uh, namely because when it comes to documentaries that get insanely popular, they're never good. <laughs> yeah, documentaries that are insanely popular, at least in my experience, have almost nothing of substance to say and no actual lasting impact on society. Like uh, that Don't Fuck With Cats documentary, awful, yeah. cannot, I, I cannot dissuade people from watching that enough the Game Changers vegan athlete documentary that everyone went insane about. Uh, As a vegan and someone interested in athletics, I do truly think that that documentary was pretty scientifically bunk. Uh, I don't know. Documentaries that get really hot, I think they just get hot because they touch on something that society's interested in, but don't actually say anything interesting. Yeah. There there are two documentaries that i watched about a year ago that were actually pretty okay and that was both of the fire festival documentaries because one of them was definitely better than the other yeah and you know you can have your opinions Uh, i like both of them equally uh i mean one definitely took that dude's side a little bit more by actually interviewing him from prison Yes, or one whatever. of them definitely had an agreement that they weren't <laughs> going to treat him exceptionally harshly on the condition that they get to interview him. But uh, I, I enjoyed those because no one else knew, like, there was no way to get the story of what happened. Sorry, I was trying to write that guy's name. I was thinking it was Billy Mitchell, but that's actually the villain from King of Kong. You know what? Rather than watching Tiger King, watch King of Kong. Oh, is oh that's the uh, that's the arcade guy, right? Yeah, it is the world record Donkey Kong documentary. One of the best documentaries ever made. Just want to let everybody know there's a Donkey Kong kill screen coming up. I'm pretty sure that uh, that guy was accused of cheating recently, was found guilty, but then in his guiltiness went back and beat his record legitimately. And so he still holds the title today, even though he cheated to get where he was. I don't know. I want to make it very clear. You should watch King of Kong first. And then, if you have any sense, you should get very into speedrunning scandals. uh, And going off of King of Kong, absolutely follow the journey of Billy Mitchell through to today. But also uh, research, watch videos on, or just read the history of the Atari Dragster uh, world record. Just fascinating, fascinating stuff. Cannot recommend it highly enough. There's a bunch of phenomenal YouTube channels out there that all they do is do like these little mini documentaries about the world record progression of various famous games. Like they have one for super Mario or just Mario brothers. Uh, they have one for individual course tracks on uh, Mario Kart, And uh, all they do is they talk about who set the record first and how, and then like the various techniques and strategies used to cut that record until he gets to, you know, whoever's has the record today and just showing that run pretty much uncut. 
with this really nice inspirational music in the background. And, and if you really want to get into it, uh, I think assuming you watch King of Kong and that really starts your, your obsession with video game world record entertainment as it did mine, uh, I think you owe it to yourself to watch a series of YouTube videos, particularly about speed runs of Quake or Doom. And I only say Quake or Doom uh, as a way to get started because as part of the nature of video game world records and speed runs, typically they're recorded. If they're console games like GoldenEye, they're of very poor quality. Uh, but both Doom and Quake had demo recording capabilities where just the, the player's inputs could be recorded and then you'd load in the demo on a local version of Doom or Quake and see it in full fidelity. So you can see these world record attempts from like 1996 uh, in HD exactly how they would have looked when they were playing the game. Uh, so they're the most digestible. Or, you know, don't do that and actually, like, watch a movie or read a book or do literally anything yeah, else. Yeah, yeah. Or, yeah, don't become degenerates like us who uh, just totally absorb everything about video games and how they're played really, really quickly. Yeah, don't walk away from your work for hours at a time to watch videos about video game speedruns. Don't do that. Oh, man, I, I've spent many an afternoon at work doing that. But don't don't follow my example. No, we are do not do as we do. Do as we say, which is do not yeah. do as we do. do even though we ju- even though we just got finished saying you should watch all of these documentaries, don't watch them. No, don't do anything we've ever recommended you to do on this podcast to date. Other than yeah. the responsible things we've told you to do, like uh, stay inside and vote for certain presidential candidates. <laughs> uh, yeah, we've been waiting until the last episode of this podcast. When uh, upon the the last time you hear the uh, you know the the outro music, uh, the little stinger at the end is just one word. When we say "psych," yeah, and, and that applies to everything that ever came before it. Uh, so there's an initial stinger that says psych, and then there's another stinger that says parody, which means all the times that we've told people uh, to blow up one of the bicameral houses of the United States uh, or, or do anything uh, is parody and is uh, covered by parody law. You just reminded me very much so of... Uh, so you remember a little director by the name of Zachary Schneider, right? I do. So he very recently did a live commentary of Batman versus Superman in which he explained all of his plans and plots and the kind of briefly went over the five movie arc that he wanted to do with, uh, with the DC universe. Uh-huh. And, uh, he, 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 he oddly never explained his decision to blow up, <laughs> <laughs> to blow up the Senate. Um, <laughs> Interesting. Now, yeah. was it the Senate or Congress? I, I mean, I, I don't think the movie actually goes as far as uh, the, announcing what exactly. I, I, I think it might just be a special interest hearing about Superman, technically. Do you but that's his- not that's not funny. That's not as funny as a joke. Do you know if Zack Snyder knows what the difference between the Congress and Senate is? 
I would have to assume he does, John. The man has created countless movies. All of them heard before the Senate. Well, yeah, every single thing that gets published today has to go to the Library of Congress. Yeah. <laughs> so, and it's a, before- every time something goes to the Library of Congress, everyone in Congress has to watch it together. And vote on it. Yeah, they have to vote on whether they love it, they hate it, or they gotta have it. <laughs> exactly. That is the official the official scale rating of whether or not something gets into the Library of Congress. And they also rate it on fun factor. And uh, replayability. L- largely fun factor is what gets things in the most. Yeah, fun factor is huge. The Zapruder films, huge fun factor. Yeah, yeah. Every every important document uh, usually gets in on fun factor alone. Yeah. Replayability is really in the gutter for most of these things, but fun factor, whoo, through the roof. Through the roof. Though actually I suppose the Zapruder films actually have very high replayability because that guy was like, back and to the left. Back and to the left. Back to the left. You know what I'm talking about? I don't know if I get this reference. I'm sorry. Uh, the Zapruder films were uh, the films of JFK getting shot. Oh. And they were played multiple times. Replayed. I don't know. Oh. This feels... Uh, oh, John. This does not feel respectful the longer we talk about it. Oh, John. I thought you were talking about some obscure European art house film... Or something of that nature. I didn't know you were talking about actual historical footage of a president of these here United States getting shot. Well, let's not uh, belabor this any longer and quickly move on to something else. I can't believe that you, John of Zero Credits, made a joke about one of the U.S. presidents getting shot in public John, how could you? By the way, now I'm covered in court when this audio gets played back. Sorry to sell you out. Well, I guess the the hat's out of the bag now. I love it when presidents get shot. Let me tell you a few presidents who I'd like to get shot. Uh, First of all, you've got... Should be shot uh, in the head. And then uh, both... Should be shot. Uh, We should shoot the grave of... And, uh, um, let's see, Abraham Lincoln. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna cut all of this out now, right? (laughs) Oh, okay, okay. There's no way this can go in, right? Uh, what do you mean? I don't think you should say things like that. Oh, about presidents who need to be shot? Yeah, I don't think that's something that I want to invite onto my podcast that I share with you that we share together. It's our podcast. Okay, well, I'll keep your editing load pretty pretty quick, <laughs> and I'll stop talking about presidents that need to be shot other than uh, future President Joe Biden. Okay, I mean, I think that one you can say because it's not true. You're right, it's not true. No, no, it's not true. He's not a president in the future. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's no way. Uh, let's move on from this. Uh, to what? I have no idea. I know. Uh, so I'm just going to shoot straight with our listeners, our fans, our dear zero cred heads. 
Uh, <laughs> that's not a, we've never called him that. We are um, now. Alternative name. Alternative name, Credheads. Uh, I'm just going to, you know, peel the curtain back. We entered this episode with nothing. We had nothing to talk about. There's nothing going on that we can talk about with our the the underlying rule of the podcast being we're not going to cover negative coverage of the coronavirus because you can get that anywhere. But like we're entering the doldrums of this self-isolation social distancing lockup thing in which nothing is happening. Yeah, I mean, like <laughs> nothing's happening in culture. There, there's a there's a really um, there's a, a, a small swelling of a movement on Twitter that uh, I can wholeheartedly throw my heart behind. But there's a number of tweets out there saying, like, do us a favor, screenwriters, please, for the love of God, don't write about coronavirus. Like, going forward, this is not something we need to revisit culturally. Like, we're, li- we're all living through it right now. There's no unique story that you can tell about coronavirus right now. <laughs> So just just leave it alone. Let's go back to explosions and robots and aliens and all the crazy shit that we had in the yesteryear. And let's leave coronavirus alone culturally. Yeah, I I think it's something that that is best left alone, really, wherever you can, unless you're a reputable news organization and you're actually reporting the the truth. I, I don't think there's a lot you can say that people don't already know. Yeah, I mean, like, journalists for sure cover the shit out of it, but, like, creative writers and people who make decisions about what shows or movies or music or plays get produced, you know, just avoid this stuff. And and you got to think, you know, Shakespeare did a lot of his writing around the bubonic plague. He never actually wrote about the fucking plague, though. Yeah, and that's why his work is timeless. Exactly. That's why all of his historic dramas are timeless. That's why you uh, can't talk about boobos. What's a boobo? Is that when like the the thing of pus like blows yeah. up on your on that's your neck? Bo- hey, that's a boobo. That's a boobo. I also got some boobo ass shoes. Uh, I feel like boobo tea. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> oh my god. I don't maybe like on the note all. of yeah, maybe on the note of boobo tea. Look. We don't have much to talk about. We're we're going to revisit what we're going to do next week uh, and plan out something so that this doesn't happen again. Not that what has happened is bad. I just would feel better about what we're doing if we approached it with a pre-plan. Does yeah, that make I sense? Mean, yeah, absolutely. The The situation requires that things change. The situation is fluid, much like a boobo. So we'll we'll revisit it. We'll see what we need to do. Yeah, I, you know, and maybe something something's gonna happen, and we'll talk about that. But until something actually happens, yes, until something actually happens, that brings us to the end of the episode, which I believe means I'm doing the social media readings for today. Yeah, don't forget all the new th- shit you gotta say. I can't forget it. So if you want to reach us on Twitter, the hell platform of perverts, you can do so at ZCPCWHJ at twitter.com on twitter.com, which stands for Henry. I wouldn't know because I'm not a pervert, John. Wow, we both know. 
that that's not true. That's ZCPC WHJ on Twitter.com. If you want to send us an email, if you're a longer kind of pervert, you can do so at email at zerocredits.net. That's right. It's the new one. Uh, as of this recording, there is still nothing on the actual zerocredits.net. But hey, when this episode goes up, mightn't one see? Wait, we didn't we didn't make a cool, sexy place for people to go like hang out and get a drink. Mightn't one see? Oh, okay. And then, of course, we are uh, on Facebook. But fuck Facebook. Uh, who even uses Facebook other than grandmas and that lady from Tiger King who killed her husband? Where's your husband, Carol? Uh, we are on Spotify. Search for zero credit, open parentheses, S, close parentheses on Spotify.com. Henry tells me that's where most of our listens come from. It's true, according to our analytics. Thanks, Analytics. We're also on Apple Podcasts. Search for zero credits on the Apple Podcast Store. And why don't you fucking buy some? We've been giving these shits out for free. (laughs) It's not how it works. And of course, word of the mouth is the only way we can survive. Uh, But in these trying times, it's going to have to be word of the hands because you're going to have to email people about it. Email your congressman, tell him to listen to Zero Credits, and he will be, he or she, sorry, will be Jesus blown Christ. up. Oh my god, no! John, stop trying to get the, the, the NSA to listen. Uh, listen, it's, it's additional listeners. It's a marketing strategy that we haven't tried yet. I suppose you're right. I suppose we have not tried that yet. I just don't think we're going to get get 12 new listeners and also a slot van. (laughs) 12 new listeners and also like they're all in a van outside of our apartments. Hey, we're just the world's first openly seditious podcast. I don't know if that's true. Dro Rogan exists. Dro Rogan. <laughs> just slow Joe Rogan. Just slow down. Dro Rogan. And, and, and from everyone here at the two locations of studios, one being my wife's office and the other being. John, where are you? Oh, uh, I am currently in our creative slash art room. All right. So from my wife's office slash creative art room studios, we want to wish you a happy quarantine. Bye. Goodbye. What if we added together the number of bedrooms and bathrooms we have? Oh, we could do that. All right. So we've Coming got to, Yeah. So we've got two beds and two bathrooms at our place. Okay, yeah. What do oh, you have okay. at your place? Uh, I've got three bedrooms and seven bathrooms. All right. So together that's 
from the five bedroom, nine bathroom studios. We want to wish you a goodbye. Uh, one of them is a half bath, so it's eight and a half. From the five bathrooms, eight and a half bath studios. We want to wish you an end of this episode. Bye. Good goodbye. And two kitchens. Okay, okay. I'm not adding the kitchens. <laughs>